Good morning, everybody. It's a great day to be in the house and not outside in the weather. <laughs> Although, thankfully, it's not freezing. But go ahead and stand with us. The theme of the day is going to be the blood of Jesus Christ. How wonderful that is. Let's go ahead and sing. Not being good, not going to church, not being baptized, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, thank God for his blood. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You gave your son. It's the only hope we had of ever being made righteous, of ever being right before you, of ever getting to heaven. Only the blood of Jesus could provide that. Thank you. Thank you for loving us so much. God, we ask you to bless this service. We want to glorify you. We want to praise our wonderful Savior who shed his blood so that we could know you. Oh, how wonderful it is to be saved. God, we love you because you love us. 
Teach us to love you more. Teach us to walk with you. Use this service to draw us closer to you, God. And we do love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We do welcome you. If you are here for the first time, thank you for being here. We appreciate you being here. We believe God brought you here for a reason. If you're watching online for the first time, we welcome you as well. If you are here for the first time, you should have received one of our welcome packets. If you did not, uh, there's a connection card that looks like this. It's in the pew right in front of you. We do ask if you would fill that out. We would love to hear from you. We would love to pray for you. And the first thing on that right after the date, January 28th, in case you didn't know what day it is, is my prayer request. We want to pray for you. And if you're watching online, just go to our website, click on I'm new here. There's an online version. Uh, this can be done with the QR code on your phone, or you can just fill it out the old-fashioned way, give it to the ushers on the way out the door. We want to pray for you. Every request we get, we pray for. And I don't know anybody that doesn't need prayer. So we would love to pray for you. We would love to hear from you. Uh, if you give us your email address, we have a free gift we would like to send you. We can only do it by email, uh, but I think you'll enjoy it. So if you'll give us your email address, we will send that to you today. I promise you we do not sell email addresses. We're, we don't, we'll never do that. Uh, so we want to hear from you. And again, welcome. We're so glad you're here. I also want to thank the guys. Yesterday we went to the, or yesterday we came back from the men's prayer advance. We went on Thursday. 18 guys, seven of them 18 and younger. I love seeing these young guys get there, learning to pray, learning the importance of walking with God. We serve a great God. We serve a God, the God, and there's only one God, a lot of false gods. We serve the God who wants people to know him personally. It's not in hiding. He wants us to know him. And it's a wonderful thing to know God, to walk with him, to learn to pray. It's a great thing. One of the things they do in the prayer advance, they call it the sweet hour of prayer. And they give you a prayer guide, and they had a new one this year, one for uh, first-timers and another one for people who have maybe been there a few times. And it's a guide to help you pray for an hour, and they're like spread out. Now, this church sat on top of a mountain, 80 acres of property, so, and it was a gorgeous day, so we were all over the place, uh, spread out and praying. And, you know, some of you would say, I've never prayed for an hour. But we have teenage young men in this church, they prayed for an hour. And most of them would say, yeah, you know what? It's really not hard to pray for an hour. Our God listens. You do so many other things for an hour. So if you don't know how to pray for an hour, just ask one of our teenage young men and they'll teach you. I am, I'm half kidding. Uh, I'll be glad to show you and I, I can give you a guide that will help you to pray for an hour. Uh, prayer's important. So I'm, I thank God for the men that went and what a blessing it was. At this time, we'll have our video announcements. Good morning, church. Do you all know what's happening in less than two weeks? That's right, it's our church retreat and we truly want you there. It's for adults of all ages and it's going to be 
a blast, something that you'll never forget. So if you haven't already registered, please do so now by clicking the link in your Sunday newsletter. If you're having trouble with the link or you don't feel very technologically inclined, feel free to reach out to me so that I can help you get signed up. We want you there to grow in the Lord and to bond with us as we become even closer as the church. I have a small calendar change that I'd like to make you aware of. If you use our paper calendar, you're going to want to pencil this in. We are having a movie night on March 1st at 7 o'clock p.m. That's a Friday night, and we're going to get together and we're going to watch the movie Overcomer. It's done by the same group that did Facing the Giants, Courageous, and so many more. It's awesome, it's encouraging, and you'll want to be there. We're going to have so much fun together. Our missionaries of the week are our missionaries who serve in restricted access nations. As we have gone through the list of our missionaries, we have had to skip several of them. If their names or their fields were mentioned publicly, it would put them and their ministry in danger. Restricted access nations include many countries in Asia, the Middle East, and Northern Africa. There are also some Western nations that have limited religious freedom, and missionaries are not allowed. Even though we are not giving any names or fields this week, please pray for our missionaries who serve in these sensitive areas.
beautiful song. Go ahead and join and stand with us. We're singing some uh, good old classics. And uh, again, just focus on the theme, just about the blood of Christ. And we'll start with, isn't he, isn't he beautiful? Just focus on the words and how it can actually truly make you feel. Isn't he
You'll be gracious with special music this morning. You may be seated. Let's 
take a few minutes to pray. If you'd like to come to the altar at this time, we invite you to do so. We've got a few new prayer requests. I'm not sure if we mentioned last Sunday. I know we did on Wednesday night. Joseph Franklin is in the hospital in Miami. Very serious condition. We need to be praying for him. Pastor Chuck's grandmother is in hospice care down in Florida, so keep the family in prayer there. And Katie's grandfather is in very critical condition up in Connecticut. Uh, she and Michael are up there, um, probably coming back tonight, but it's, it's very, very serious and praying for that God will do a miracle. We praise the Lord. I see on our prayer list, we've been praying for T. Smith and, and need to continue to pray. She's not healed from that accident yet, but doing special music. So praise the Lord. We've been praying for Muriel with COVID and she is back today. And it's... Yeah. <laughs> I miss you being up here, Muriel, but I, I know you're getting there, and uh, thank God she is, she is healing. So let's pray. Father, oh, we love you. Oh, our desire indeed should be to be like you, to be like Jesus. God, you're just so good to us, so good. I thank you for... Uh, that we see people on our prayer list. Some have been on here for months recovering. God, you're doing the work. You're healing them. We want it faster, but you do it in your time, and your time is perfect. We do lift up some, some new requests. Pastor Chuck's grandmother, God bless the family and comfort them. She knows the Lord, and that's the most important thing. We praise you for that. The same with Katie's grandfather. He knows the Lord. God, it's hard when, when families face the, the passing of a loved one. And, and in both cases, these people are very near death. We pray for your mercy and your grace. We pray for Joseph Franklin, just a young man. God bless him. Heal him. He's been through so much. Heal him, Father. We thank you for, for healing Muriel. We trust you for complete healing. Rebecca Morgan. Doing better, but a long way to go. God, heal her completely. And the same with T. Smith, complete healing. John O'Neill, for my wife, we want complete healing. Harry Mosby, Ken Harriet, 
God, many others have been through surgeries and different things, and you are working. We thank you for it. We do pray for the situations in Israel and Ukraine. There's war going on and people dying. War is a horrible thing. God, bring people to Christ. In both of those cases, use the atrocities of war to bring people to Jesus. We do pray for peace, God. We want these wars to end. Bring peace to both both of these nations, all of the nations involved in God. Bring people to Jesus through it all. Now, Father, as we look to your word, give me the words you want me to say today. You gave me this message this week for this day. God, help me to, to not interfere but to say everything you once said, nothing more and nothing less. Use this to touch hearts. People don't need to hear from me, they need to hear from you. So I pray for everyone here to just be still and quiet and forget the cares of this world, whatever the problems are at home or at work tomorrow, whatever they're facing physically, emotionally, financially, whatever it is, God, to just put it aside and stop and be still and listen to you, to hear from your sweet Holy Spirit. God, use this for your glory to indeed make us more like Christ. Any that don't know Jesus, God, use this to draw them to yourself. Bring them to Christ. Save them today. We love you and thank you for all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may return to your seats. We're going to go to the book of Matthew today, Matthew chapter 22. I can't get my paper unfolded. If I asked you to sum up the Christian life in a few words, what would you say? How would you sum up what it is to be a Christian? What it, what it means practically in your life. How should a Christian live? What, we should, we should be, what should we be doing? If you had to sum up Christianity, what would it be? Now, I had intended today to be in the book of Acts, continuing in Acts chapter 20. Uh, the last part of that, of that chapter, there's a, there's a great message there, and I was ready to preach that. And on Friday, as I was at the men's prayer advance... Um, I didn't listen to a message and write it down and preach somebody else's message. I don't do that. Um, but just as I was sitting there and, and listening, I got to thinking, you know, as a pastor, I have a responsibility. My job is to train you for the work of the ministry, according to Ephesians chapter 4. A pastor is a gift to the church for the training of the saints for the work of the ministry. So my job is to train you to do the work of the ministry. It's not my job to do the work of the ministry. Some One lady said to me one time, I don't witness to people, that's what we pay you for. She does not understand the New Testament. Uh, it's not what you paid me for. My job is to train Christians to grow and mature and do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is every Christian's job. Well, I was thinking about, you know, what do I want the people of Fellowship Baptist Church to know? 
There is a, there is a principle in teaching. It's called the irreducible minimum. The irreducible minimum. Now, I looked up the definition so I could give you a real clear definition of that, and here's what it is. What is absolutely, without a doubt, what each student must know, experience, and be able to do. It's basically, uh, if you're teaching this class, this is what every student has to know, the, the least amount that they must know in order to pass. For I'll give you an example, which is we can pretty, pretty well relate to. Uh, the driving test. You know, you take driver's education and you go for your driving test. And there are certain things you must be able to do or you do not pass. Now, it just not that many years ago, uh, parallel parking was on there. I've heard they now took that off. But if you could do everything perfectly and you could not parallel park, you failed. You failed. That was part of the irreducible minimum, the bare basics. You must know how. They give you a written test. I think you have to have know 70% of it. Uh, I'm not sure the percentage. It's been a couple of years since I took that test. You understand? Uh, you had to be able to parallel park to back into a parking space. The craziest thing I know about the state of Maryland is that you people are obsessed with backing into parking spaces. Can I tell you that the rest of the country does not understand this? The rest of the country does not do that. I don't know why you all do that. And it drives some of us nuts. And I thought it was just me, but I was watching a sports show that it, they have kind of a contest. It's who gets the most points. And whoever wins that day gets 30 seconds of FaceTime. They can talk about anything they want, 30 seconds, it's just them. And they have people on this show, they'll be in New York and uh, Las Vegas or Denver. One guy's from D.C. and he won and he got his FaceTime and he just ranted, had a rant about people backing into parking spaces. <laughs> and I'm going, yes, I am not alone. It's easier to pull out. Yeah, but it's harder to back in. It's easier to back out than it is to back in, right? Yes, it is. Please. Easier to back out as opposed to backing in between two cars, it is easier to back out. All right, I'm not going to win this argument. I'm in Maryland. And they taught you all from the time you were in diapers how to back a car into a space. And I will admit, you're pretty good at it, most, most of you. I'm always there waiting in the parking lot to get by the guy who just doesn't know how to do it. Who's, no, that's not going to work. Pull out. Let's start over. You know? I'm always behind that guy thinking, would you just pull in forward, please, like the rest of America, so I can pass. Okay, I have a problem with patience, you understand. Anyway, the irreducible minimum, what do you absolutely have to know? And I thought about, what do I want Fellowship Baptist Church to know the bare minimum? What do we need to know? What would I really like our church to be known for? And God gave me three words. I can sum up the Christian life in three words. And here it is. Love like Jesus. Love like Jesus. That's what God wants us to do. And I, I sat there Friday and, and the rest of Friday. I'm, I'm in sessions, but a lot of times, oh, 
but that's got to go here. I'm writing my message in my, in my notebook. And then I finished most of it on the bus on the way home. I thought, God, I don't have time for a new message on Friday. That is not enough time to get a message ready. I'm normally much, I'm working on next week's message usually. Uh, not starting on Friday to preach on Sunday. God said, it's okay. This is what I want you to preach. Preach it. So I just kept writing things down. And, and there's so much in that. To love like Jesus. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 35, it says, Then one of them which was a lawyer asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? He's trying to, this is where they were trying to trick Jesus. They had asked him, him about tribute. Should we give tribute to Caesar or not? And what about the Sadducees had this crazy thing about seven guys with the same wife because they all kept dying. Whose is she in the resurrection? And, and they're trying to trick Jesus. Good luck. Obviously, nobody can trick Jesus. So this lawyer says, what's the great commandment? Trying to trick him. He's thinking, uh, I don't know what he was thinking, but I, it, it seems to me he was probably thinking along the line of, well, there's 10 commandments. Which one is Jesus going to say is the most important? And Jesus said unto him in verse 37, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Wow. He said, you could take all of the law, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you could take all that, and then you take all of the prophets from Isaiah to Malachi, all of those 17 prophets or prophetical books, and sum it all up two things love God, love your neighbor. So that's it. It's all summed up right there. Wow. And they just said, Whoa. In fact, the Bible says after that, they didn't ask him any more questions. They gave up trying to trick Jesus because he knew way more than any of them. After all, he created them. They just didn't understand that. So loving like Jesus is twofold. And I want to look at those two aspects. First of all, love God. Love God. 1 John chapter 4. Go with me there. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4, verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested, which means shown forth, the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, which means the payment or satisfaction for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love. We ought also to love one another. 
love God. He said God is love. You know, God has many attributes. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is faithful. God is forgiving. God is merciful, but the Bible does not say God is mercy. God is forgiving, but it doesn't say God is forgiveness. Many attributes of God, love is not an attribute of God. Love is who God is. God is love. There are people in here that I can look and say, you're a really loving person. You love people so well. You're a loving person, but there's nobody that I could say, you are love. God is love. There is no love without God. Oh, the world's got their own wacky definition of love. Real love is God. Love's not just a warm, glowing feeling. Love is God. God is love. We love God only because he first loved us. If God didn't love us first, nobody would love God. That's the truth of us of it. We would not love God except that he loved us first. And we are to love God, love God the Father, like Jesus loved the Father. Did Jesus love the Father? You know he did. If we're going to love like Jesus, we must love the Father like Jesus loved the Father. Now, by nature, we are all selfish. Let's be honest. If you don't admit that, you're fooling yourself. You're not fooling anybody around you. You're only fooling yourself. Because they know. Your wife knows you're selfish. Young men don't think they're selfish, and then they get married, and they have someone to tell them how selfish they are. (laughs) Which they already were. They just didn't know it. We are all selfish by nature. We really only love ourselves. But God, in, in his love, Romans 5, 5, it says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Shed abroad means poured out. You know what God does? God takes our heart. Now, your heart, I'm told, is about the size of your fist. I don't have very big hands. I must have a small heart. Sorry. My wife would say, yeah, that's right. I'm just kidding. So your heart's, how big's my fist? Maybe a cup, eight, ten ounces? I don't know. It's not that big, really. Let's take, say you had a measuring cup. Let's be generous. You have a big measuring cup. It's two cups, 16 ounces. You've got a big one. God takes his gallon pitcher and just pour. I pour some love in that heart till it's overflowing all over the place. That's the way God is. God doesn't measure out with a little, here's your quarter teaspoon. God just poured in. That's what shed abroad means. God has poured love into us. We selfish, self-centered, it's all about me. Got to look out for number one. In case you never heard that, that means you, yourself. And God says, I'm just going to pour love into you, selfish, worthless thing, because that's what we all are without God. But he loves us and he saves us and he pours his love into us and all over us. It's like standing under Niagara Falls with God's love. It's awesome. He loves us. 
And he pours his love into us. The fruit of the Spirit is what's first on the list. Love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Just, just, you can just stop for today at number one. Love. We got the Holy Spirit when we got saved. See, he poured in the Holy Spirit as well as pouring in love. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. God put his love inside of us. By nature, we're selfish. Forget our nature. I've got God's nature now. Because I'm born again. It's not of me. When I got saved, I got God. God moved in. And he poured his love into me. And I have God's love in me. I want you to say that with me. I have God's love in me. I got God's love in me. Some of you are going to go home and I, I know how men are, seeing as I am one. I got God's love in me, honey. Some of your wives are going to say, maybe I ought to show it once in a while. Maybe I'll let a little bit of it out. Some of you went to work and said, I have God's love in me. They say, yeah, you keep it in an airtight container. <laughs> Open it up and let it out. You will not run out. It's like smiling. You give away a smile. You won't run out of smiles. Just keep smiling. Just keep loving. You will not run out of God's love. He has an infinite supply because God is infinite and God is love. And God poured his love in us. And we got all the love. We have more love than we could ever give out. So let's give some away. Start letting it overflow. I have God's love in me. Love like Jesus. That's what he wants us to do. Three simple words. Love like Jesus. Jesus, do you love God? Now, if you've never been born again, you need to be saved. God loved you so much. He sent his son. I, we already read here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. God loved you so much, he gave Jesus to die for you. If you are born again, you know God. You have God in you. You have the love of God in you. Do you love God? If you love God, you will pray. Well, I don't, I don't pray very much, Pastor. It's because you don't love God very much. Oh, no, no, I love God. It's just, I, I, I just don't pray. I don't know why. It's just, I, it's just too hard. What if one of these... Uh, one of our teenage guys said, Whoo, I'm in love. I love this girl. She's the prettiest thing that God ever made. She's perfect. I, the angels, there's some song they put, the angels put moon dust in her hair or something like that. And it's like, she hung the moon. She's awesome. The most beautiful woman that ever lived. And you know what? She loves me too. And it's awesome. Oh, how much do you talk to her, to her? Oh, I don't talk to her. What? I don't talk to her. But wait, you love her. Oh, yeah, I love her. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, she loves me. But you don't talk. See, you laughed because it's ridiculous. Right? If you love God, 
talk to him. This is not hard. If you really love God, you will spend time with him. If I told my wife I loved her, but I didn't want to spend any time with her, that would not go over very well. And in fact, when I get too busy and I get caught up with things, my wife will let me know, uh, we need to spend some time together. I know what that means. I've gotten too busy. Now, my wife, man asked me when I was at the, the conference this week, and he said, uh, do you take a day off? I said, oh, yeah. I'm off on Mondays. He said, but do you really take it? I said, my wife makes me. She does. If you text me tomorrow and I don't answer, don't take it personally. I usually don't, I don't even look at text messages. I don't look at email. Uh, if it's church-related, I will answer in an emergency. If you call me, I probably will not answer the phone. Leave a message. If it's an emergency, I'm going to get back to you. But my wife will get after me if I'm answering a text message related to church. God prescribed a day off. It's biblical. And she knows if it's up to me, I would work seven days a week. I really would. I love what I do. But it's not good for me. I get weary, and she makes me take a day off, and God told me to do it, So, but she's, she is my help me, and she knows I'm not good at that, so she guards me. That's a, that's a good wife. She protects me there. Um, now, if it's an emergency, you call me. I want to know, and my wife is very understanding. Emergencies do happen sometimes on Mondays. That's okay. Uh, we will be there. We, we will, I will help you and so would my wife. But you know what? If you love God, you'll pray. If you love God, you'll read your Bible. This is God's love letter to us. This is God's revelation of himself to us. If you love God, don't you want to know about him? Don't tell me you love God and you don't read your Bible. You don't love him very much. I know I'm stepping on toes, but I don't know whose toes I'm stepping on, so it's okay. Your toes are being stomped on. It's the Holy Spirit doing it. If you don't read your Bible, how much do you really love God? If you don't pray, how much do you really love God? Listen, if you love God, you'll serve in the church. We were created unto good works. When you love somebody, you serve them. I... Because of my wife, what has happened to her physically, I've had to do a lot of stuff. She does a lot more around the house than I knew about. I didn't know there's so much to do to take care of a house. You know, dirty dishes, somehow they just multiply. Like, I know we didn't use that many dishes. If somebody comes in our house and leaves dirty dishes. And laundry, too. I don't know where it all comes from. Now, praise God, she's getting better and she's starting to be able to do more and more stuff. And believe me, I'm grateful. It's a lot of work. And I appreciate her more now. I didn't know how much she did because she took care of all of it and I didn't do anything. All I said, I don't do much around the house. I didn't. I do now. There's a lot more to do than I knew about. But you know what? When you love somebody, you serve. You think it bothers me to do that stuff for my wife? No. 
just bothers me to cook for her because she never likes anything I make. I don't understand. I like my cooking, but she doesn't like my cooking. Truth is, her taste buds have been messed up, and she doesn't like hardly anything. She doesn't like her cooking either, for that matter. So that's been one of the biggest challenges since she had a brain injury is food. It's, it's slowly getting better, but uh, it affected her taste. It's, it's weird. We really are fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't mind serving her. I love her. Do anything. When you love somebody, you serve them. If you love God, you serve. If you love God, you give. Oh, now I'm really stepping on toes. When you love somebody, you give to them. You think I don't like buying Christmas presents for my granddaughters and seeing their face light up? Yeah, I like that. Christmas was more fun as a parent than as a child. It really is. In fact, that's what I was going to preach today in Acts 20. It said, Jesus says, more blessed to give than to receive. Be a giver. It's fun giving. If you love God, you give. I don't mean to the church, just give everywhere. Give. God's the greatest giver ever. For God so loved the world that he gave. If we're going to be like him, we'll be givers. Do I love my wife? Of course I do. How do you know? I talk about her. Do I love my granddaughters? You know I love my granddaughters, don't you? Why? My son says, Dad, you can't even preach a message without talking about it, Addie and Emma. He's right. You know why? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So how are you going to tell me you love God, but you don't ever tell anybody about him? Really? You love God, but you don't ever tell anybody about him? If I went to where you work tomorrow and I said, I'm his pastor. I'm a hurt pastor. Like, pastor? You go to church? (laughs) Some of you, that'd be the case. I don't know who, but you do. Nobody you work with knows that you go to church every Sunday. Why not? Nobody you work with knows that you love God. Why not? How do you love God and not talk about him? I can't not talk about my family. I love them. Oh, when I go other places, I talk about you all because I love you too. I talk about my church. We talk about what we love. That's the way it is. Rick Blue was here with us. I was trying to think back. I think it's been about 11 years ago. It's been a while. Great preacher. I love that dear man. I met him on vacation in Colorado some years ago and invited him here and he preached and he made this statement I've never forgotten. He said, the church has failed at the great commission because the church has failed at the great commandment. The great commission, tell everybody about Jesus. What's the great commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy strength. We don't love God and that's why we don't tell people about him. Ouch. We don't love God enough, so we don't tell enough people. We love too many things more than we love God. We love ourselves. We love money, things, stuff. You know what the Bible says about wanting stuff, 
covetousness, it's idolatry. Idolatry. We don't like to think of it that way, do we? I just want what he has. There's nothing wrong with wanting that. Yeah, there is. It's idolatry. We love things more than we love God. Sometimes we love our sin more than we love God. Some of you won't give up your sin because you love your sin more than you love God. My sin's not hurting anybody. It's hurting your relationship with God. Because you're putting your sin ahead of God. Love like Jesus. Don't love your sin. That's hurting you. Sometimes we love our comfort. It's a rainy day today. Now look, I I like that we have our service online. A few weeks ago, I had a procedure on my back. It was very painful. And it was on a Wednesday because they only do it on Wednesdays. So I had to have it done on a Wednesday, and it was very painful, and I didn't come to church that night. I watched online. I'm thankful that we have it online. I know we have people watching online. You can't get to church. I thank God that you're watching online. But on a rainy day, some people just decide it's more comfortable on the couch. That's not okay. We love our comfort more than we love God. We love staying in bed instead of getting up and praying. We love playing that video game instead of getting in bed at night. We love stuff and things and comfort and so many things come before God. Love like Jesus. He didn't go around seeking comfort. He got up early and went in the mountain by himself and prayed. Or sometimes he didn't even go to bed. He just stayed up all night praying. Because he loved God. Let's look secondly. We're to love people. To love like Jesus means to love people. You know, Jesus loved sinners and social outcasts. He loved the woman at the well. You know, she was immoral. He said, you've had five husbands. Now you're living with someone that's not your husband. She was immoral. He loved her. Jesus loved Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. Jews hated tax collectors. They hated them because they were collecting taxes for Rome. And when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, they said, he's going to eat with a man who is a sinner. And the truth is the tax collectors cheated the people too because they could collect as much money as they wanted. Rome said, I I would need to get $5 from each person. They'd say, your tax is $20 because they know the guy's got a lot of money. They could do that. They're only sending five to Rome and pocketing the rest. And Zacchaeus got saved, and he said, Lord, I'm going to restore fourfold to everyone I took anything by false accusation. You see, Zacchaeus was a thief, and Jesus loved him. And the woman taken in adultery, he loved her. This week God caught this woman taken in adultery in the very act. You know my first question, where was the man? Why didn't they bring him in, a bunch of hypocrites? But they dragged her in. Maybe the man was their friend, I don't know. Did Jesus love her? Yes, he did. The rich young ruler was covetous. That means he was an idolater. Jesus loved him. Yeah, he loved him. Jesus loved sinners. He loved the social outcasts. But listen, 
He never condones sin. Loving like Jesus does not mean we have to condone or approve of sin. It doesn't. Has your child, many of you in here are parents. Those of you who are parents, has your child ever lied to you? The only ones who would say no are the ones whose child is too young to speak. Because every kid lies, just like me and you. Children lie. Did you like it? Did you approve of them lying? Man, kid, that was a good one. That's awesome. I'm proud of you. I hope you didn't say that. You better not. We need to talk if you do. We don't approve of lying, and we don't excuse lying. Well, you know, he was born that way. Yeah, he was. She was. And so were you and me. And it's not okay. It's called sin. You don't teach kids to lie. You have to teach them not to. But if you don't approve of your child lying, does that mean you hate them? No. Does that mean you're intolerant? Does that mean you're a bigot? No. You see what the devil's doing? And it's the devil that's behind our society. It's a lie of the devil. The devil wants us to accept sin and not speak of repentance because repentance is necessary to salvation. Don't quit loving people. Now, I understand a lot of Christians have come across as not very loving. And it's wrong. It's wrong. Many have heard, it's not a common term today. When I was a kid, it was a very common term. It's now considered a very bad word and people don't say it anymore. And I don't think they should say it. Uh, But I'm going to say the word just so that you understand what I'm talking about. It's a gay slur today, the word faggot. The word faggot is a British word. It literally means kindling. And they used to sometimes call cigarettes faggots. Faggots were the, you know, when you're starting a fire outside, a real fire, you can't just take a log and put a match under it. You know, that doesn't work. You need some kindling, some little sticks that catch on fire easily so you can get the big ones to burn. My wife laughs at me because I'm from Florida. I didn't know anything about starting a fire. We're in this cabin one time and there wasn't any kindling. I burned a whole roll of paper towels trying to get that stupid log to catch on fire. I couldn't do it. Florida, what do I know about starting fires? So some preacher, I don't know who it was. I think this is one of the most horrible statements ever made. This is wrong. He said that homosexuals were faggots kindling for the fires of hell. And that's how homosexuals started being called maggots, meaning they're going to burn in hell. That's horrible. That's a terrible thing to say. Listen, you don't go to hell because you're homosexual. You can be heterosexual and go to hell. You don't go to hell because you're a drug addict. You don't go to hell because you're an alcoholic. You don't go to hell because you've cheated on your wife with 47 different women. You don't go to hell because of your sin. Every one of us was born condemned to hell. We go to hell if we don't get saved. 
You can lead the most moral and upright life in the history of the world and end up in hell if you're not born again. And yet we have too many Christians and a lot of them preachers and a lot of them Baptist preachers, I'm embarrassed to say, who have blasted this sin or that sin like it's the worst thing in the world and they're going to hell because they're doing that. No, they're going to hell because they haven't been born again. Period. And you'll go to hell whether you commit that sin or not if you're not born again. We know John 3, 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But do you know verse 17? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If we're going to love like Jesus, we need to understand Jesus did not come to condemn the world. If he walked the earth today, he wouldn't walk around and say, that's sin and that's sin and that's wickedness and that's wrong. And you're going to burn for that one, buddy. No. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, and that's not our job either. It is not our job to walk around pointing out sin. I'm not saying we should say sin is okay. It isn't. God hates sin. But he hates our sin. Oh, but that sin's an abomination. So is pride. And I don't know anybody not guilty of that. You know what else is an abomination? Eating shrimp. It is. Look it up. It's an abomination to eat shrimp. But when Red Lobster has all you can eat shrimp, you're going to find me there. I like those little buckers. Dipped in butter. Make them real good. It's not so good for me, but they sure do taste good. We want to pick out this is so bad and that's so bad, but my sin, it's, mine's not so bad. Sin is sin is sin. It's all wickedness. Everybody needs Jesus. What the, the world's living in sin. Yeah. Sin or sin. It's what they do. They need Jesus. You know what they need? They need us to love them like Jesus loved. He didn't walk up to that woman at the well and say, Whew, you are wicked. Wow. That's what the disciples were doing. They're like, does Jesus know who he's talking to? Do you see that? That woman's so immoral. He doesn't know. Jesus, you know, he kind of, he grew up kind of sheltered. He's homeschooled. He doesn't know what kind of woman that is. When the woman in tears, the, the harlot was wiping Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair, and the Pharisees, if he were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman that was touching him. He knew. He didn't point out her sin. He just loved her. He just loved her. That's what we're called to do. Just love them. But they're in sin. Yeah, so are you. Just love them. Love like Jesus. Show them the love of God. A speaker yesterday, one of the, might have been the last message, I can't remember. He said, the devil attacks this way. It's really good, too. So it starts with an emotional appeal, appeal, and then he goes to social pressure, and then government enforcing, enforcement. And it's true. And he used uh, Daniel chapter 3, and Nebuchadnezzar set up that, that thing of gold, and he had the music playing. Music is very emotional. 
It gets people emotional. Yeah, yeah, music's going. We're going to bow down to that golden image. And everybody's doing it. The social pressure. And then government enforcement. If you don't, you're going into the burning fiery furnace. And we saw it with COVID. You've got to wear this mask. People are dying. You got to wear this mask. You got to get this vaccine. We got to stay six feet apart. I'm amazed so many times. You go in a store and get in line, and there's people that look at you if you're if you get too close to them. Oh, we got to stay six feet apart. If you didn't know, they proved that didn't actually work. But it's it's in our heads now. Social pressure. Stay six feet apart. Got it. There was the emotion. People are dying. Look, people did die of COVID. We had them die in our church of COVID. It was a horrible thing. And people are dying. And we got to do all this stuff. And then everybody's getting together. And there was social pressure. You better conform. You better do what you're supposed to do. And then government enforcement. If you don't get this vaccine, you can't work there. They fired healthcare workers. You couldn't go to a restaurant in D.C. if you didn't have the vaccination card. That's exactly how it goes. The devil has done this with so many things. When they wanted gay marriage, what did they do? They started with the emotional appeal. Love is love. If these two love each other, what's wrong with that? How are they hurting you? They're not hurting you. Why are you against them? There's an emotional appeal is where it started. And then it became social pressure because our society accepted it as a whole. And when a vote came in the state of Maryland, you know what they started saying? This is a civil rights issue. And if you vote against them, you're in favor of oppression, social pressure, and then government enforcement. And when a baker in Colorado says, I'm not going to bake that cake for a gay marriage, I won't do it charged him the government gets involved it's the way the devil works and it happens over and over and over and it's going on in our society and there's the emotional appeal and then the the social pressure and ultimately the government steps in and says we're going to make you comply that's our world the hallmark of a christian is love and our culture calls it hate Sad. That's our world. We're told to love our neighbor as ourselves. One man, he tried to justify himself, asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? That's when he gave the story of the Good Samaritan. So who's your neighbor? Everyone you meet. That's your neighbor. I've known Christians who hated their next-door neighbors. Proverbs 14, 21 says, He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth. Ouch. If you hate your neighbor, you're in sin. If your neighbor hates you, some, some people told me, my neighbor hates me. Oh, they hate me because I'm a Christian. Really? Do they really? Or do they hate you because you're a jerk? Let's be honest. Most of the time, look, we can all be a jerk. Most of the time they hate us because we're not, we're not loving like Jesus. Do you love your neighbor like Jesus? How about praying this? Lord, what can I do to honor you in the way that I treat that neighbor? This person who's so nasty at work. Everybody works with somebody who's just, you stay away from them because they're just so nasty. They're just, they got acid in their veins. You know, you want to stay away from them. Lord, how can I treat them in a way that will honor you? 
love like Jesus. Do you think Jesus didn't have to deal with some nasty people? Have you read the Bible? They called, they accused him of all kinds of things. They said he was full of the devil. He's casting out demons. They said, you do it by the power of the devil. That's how you're doing it. They were awful to him. Word of love. Why don't we witness more? We don't really love people. If we love God, we tell people about him. If we love people, we don't want them to go to hell. Love like Jesus. If we'll really do that, we'll change the world. We will impact the world around us. You can impact the world around you if you will start loving like Jesus right where you are. Jesus said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. He said, listen, Christians, if you'll just love each other, isn't it pathetic? We don't even do that. If you Christians would just love each other, the world would know you're my disciples. Because Jesus knew what was coming. Christians fighting each other over everything and anything. Love. You know, love is irresistible. It really is. True love is irresistible. People can say that we're hateful, that we're bigots, that we're intolerant, that we're whatever phobic. But if they see that we love them, they can't resist it. They're drawn to it. Because people are hurting. They're angry. They're scared. They've been lied to by the government. Whoever they voted for next is going to fix all the problems. And they vote them in and they didn't. I don't care what party you're in. You know that's true. None of them fix anything. Except their own pockets usually. People are mad and hurting and scared and insecure and desperate. For unconditional love. And if they see it, they're drawn to it. We had a man in Alabama. We had an addiction recovery ministry. This man was an alcoholic. He was a bad alcoholic. He could not get off alcohol. His father was worth a million dollars. And his dad was old. This man was in his 40s. Dad was in his 70s. And he didn't have long to live. He said, I'll leave you every cent only if you get off alcohol. And he came to us and he knew, I'm a millionaire. He had a million reasons to get off alcohol. Couldn't do it. He didn't didn't want to follow anything we gave him. Anything we talked to him. But he kept coming back. And and this guy, he was my age, but he was built. I mean, he could have picked me up and thrown me across the room. He was... He was really bodybuilding. I'm not a little guy. He grabbed me one time and hugged me one time right off the ground. I I didn't have to go to the chiropractor for a month. Everything popped. (laughs) He squeezed me hard. But one day he came and he looked at me. He said, what is with you people? He was mad. It was a little bit scary too. (laughs) I'm standing against the wall. I said, what do you mean? What is with you people? Why do you care about me? Why? I said, Jesus died for you. And if you're good enough for Jesus, you're good enough for us. He did not want our program. He didn't want to get off alcohol. But he couldn't help but come back. 
He just came back because we loved him. And it was irresistible to him. And he kept coming. We had arrangements for him to go to the uh, Reformers Unanimous home in Rockford, Illinois. And his dad wouldn't let him go because it was Christian. His dad sent him to some other addiction ministry that wasn't Christian and had a recovery rate that was pathetic. But his dad sent him off because he didn't want him to be around us Christians. But for him, love. It's irresistible. Proverbs 16, 27 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So how do we love? How do we do it? We're all selfish by nature. How do we do it? God poured his love into us. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Let God love them through us. Just, just let the overflow flow through us. God wants to love people through us. We're just to be channels. He didn't pour that love into us for us to keep it. It's so it can pour out. Let's love like Jesus. That's what God has called us to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. God, help us. I know I'm guilty. I, I, don't, I don't love people like I love myself. I'm too selfish. I don't love you like I should. I don't love people like I should. You told me to love like Jesus. Oh, God, make that the reality of my life. And I want that to be true for everyone here, God, that we would love like Jesus. Oh, I'd love to meet someone on the street one day and tell them I'm pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church, and they say, oh, oh, oh. Your people really love God, and they really love people. Wow. Let us be known for loving like Jesus, because that's what you told us to do. God bless this invitation. There's many that need to come. If they don't come, they're just resisting you and resisting your Holy Spirit. The altar should be full. Because I want us to have a heart that even though we fall short, our desire is I want to love like Jesus. God, help me to love like Jesus. I want that to be the, to be the prayer of every single member of this church. God, help me to love like Jesus. I don't want people brave enough to get on their knees at an old-fashioned altar and say, God, help me. I can't do it but you can do it through me. Help me to love like Jesus. God, have your will, your will in this invitation. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song we haven't sung in years. It's called My Eyes Are Dry. And if you really want to love like Jesus, I want you to come and kneel down and say, God, help me to love like Jesus. Now, if you're here and you're not sure you're saved, please see one of these men. That's the most important. We want to see you come to Christ. You could know that you have eternal life. You need Jesus. If you want God to do a work in your heart, you come and kneel and say, God, teach me, help me to love like Jesus. You come now as we sing. My eyes are dry, my faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold. 
too many dry eyes in this room. There's too many hard hearts in this room. Why is your heart not broken? If you haven't loved like Jesus, why? Why? Why are you going to go home from church and be the same as when you came? It's not how it's supposed to be. God help us. Our hearts are too hard. They need to be broken. We're going to sing that verse again. If that song again, if God lays it on your heart, don't resist. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. If He wants you to come, come. Pray. My eyes are dry, my faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold, and I know how I ought to the service we are scheduled to have a business meeting I'm going to I'm going to postpone that till next week we'll do that next week we're going to close Pastor Chuck's praying with someone not dismiss us God our hearts are too hard I pray God that you'd break our hearts for the souls of lost men. And teach us, God, to love like Jesus. Oh, God, teach us to love like Jesus. You've put the love in us. We're just not letting it out. God, forgive us. Do a work in me. Do a work in our church. Teach us, God, to love. Bless us as we go. Use us this week to show your love to someone. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.